When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cotpost. Hello and welcome to this week's Small Over podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, news and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Small Over Podcast, Small Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Anchor and lots of other podcatchers. Uh, now, this week was a bullshit, no one gives a toss, European rugby weekend. So as promised... Um, We've got an episode of Punching Chat for you, where we've been delving into the week's wider sporting action to answer some questions. Um, you might remember during last week's episode, we came up with a hashtag or, you know, Ben came up with a hashtag that said uh, hashtag punch me if you wanted to take part in this week's Punching Chat. Now, we were absolutely inundated with zero people that use that hashtag. Not one. So, yeah, so, thanks a lot, you fuckers. Yeah. So, uh, there's the lensman. So, who, who will be quiet? The lensman is very quiet on his iPad. So, you have to bear with him this evening and he will talk louder. Um, so, we thought, I know what we'll do. We'll have no, we'll have no um, people hashtagging punch me. We'll invite friend of the show and all round crazy. Uh, pseudo-American uh, Englishman in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Eddie Stevens, to come and join us. Only for him to um, potentially be spending the afternoon in uh, with the Federale in Albuquerque, New Mexico, explaining the shenanigans of, a, of an event he attended last night. So I'm sure you'll all get to hear about the ins and outs of that on uh this week's rugby round to banter, but unfortunately we haven't got Eddie with us. So what we have got is uh, me, Ben, Phil and Doug to ask, answer some questions lovingly devised by our conglomerate quiz host, all round nice guy, Adam Foxcroft. Welcome back to Punching Chat, Adam. Um, hello. I, I, can't, I can't believe we're still doing this and we haven't been taken off air. I know. And, uh, you know, it's not dead air, which we all know is a crime. So um, you've got some new some new sounds that you bought your kids for Christmas, Adam. You said, uh, I bought the kids something for Christmas, and it just so happens to be a handheld sound-making device. I mean, it, it's just a piece of plastic that plays silly noises, um, but you know, anything, anything can come out of this thing. Um, but... I mean, does it really matter whether I take you through the scoring system or not? I think we've got to the point that we're, we're past that. You know, the, this I, sound. I, I quite like the jeopardy of not knowing until close to the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I might play. I know what happens until... Don't, don't tell us what they mean. I, I, mean, I know yeah. what happens until close to the end with the fact that I'm not going to be anywhere near the final. So, you know, it's just nice taking part. Oh, maybe you will tonight, Russ. Oh, 
Let's, let's no, even, even Phil's won an episode of this thing. It's so, a miracle. Miracles can happen. <laughs> he was genuinely thrilled at the last one we did, weren't you? I mean, I, we I still am. We we we've been doing it now since pretty much the well the the start of the end the end of the start of the pandemic the end of the start of the coronavirus pandemic, which is nearly two years old. So you know we we got to be coming up for the two year anniversary in May or something of punching chat. I would imagine. So does, uh, does this mean it's the beginning of the end of the pandemic? Maybe it does. Potentially, I mean, pandemic, pandemic. Let's let's not even get into that. But I'll tell you what, let's, why don't we actually get into some punching chat? That is an excellent idea, Russ. Um, as always, we'll start with a, a rugby question. Uh, but this one is inspired by the Ashes. The Ashes may come up once or twice tonight. Um, so with that in mind, what's the worst performance you've ever seen from a, a rugby team? And um, Doug, I'll go to you first. Um. Worst performance from a rugby team is, as a Saints fan, an incredibly difficult question to answer, to be perfectly honest. Um, There's been many, many examples of Saints um, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. But I've got to be honest and say that as a Saints fan in the mid, sort of, well, the 2010s, you could take any one of 60 performances against Saracens where we've had our arseholes fingered to the tune of 60 to 70 points um i needn't go on any further that's pretty much it i wanted to say northampton against you know Racing, who we seem to get in every single year of the european cup um but no northampton saints against saracens multiple times (laughs) okay uh phil do you want to go next yeah um Anthony Watson, Sam Underhill, Will Stewart, Ben Spencer, uh, Rocker Dagooney, Cam Redpath, um, Josh McNally, Rory McConaughey, Jonathan Joseph. There is absolutely no way in the world that Bath should be bottom of the table at the moment, having won only one game and scraped that against a 14-man Worcester who... Some would say harshly got a man sent off in the 73rd second. Um, given the quality of, of that of that squad and the depth that's there, it's an absolute disgrace that that they're, that they're so absolutely dismally abysmal. Um, but that's what they are. So yeah, Bath and everything to do with it. This is this is going to be really uplifting, isn't it? Hey, yep. Um, you set the ben, questions. Where, I, I know there's a real theme to them as well, uh, which is which is why they're probably perfect. Um, ben, what's the worst performance you've ever seen? I was going to say Bath this year, but I I didn't suggest it in the end because I couldn't face it. Um, let Let's just go back a couple of years to England against Scotland, where England went thirty one nil up after about half an hour, and then proceeded to concede. 38 points unanswered straight at, straight after half time uh, when they basically just um, decided to uh, to have their end of season party early and uh, I mean they at least managed to scrape a draw at the end with a last minute try but um, in terms of um, downing tools and and putting their feet on the beach it was it was right up there yeah and and there were way too many tries that was quite a de- depressing afternoon as I recall. Russ, you are last and least. Well, and least, what I will say is, is Doug, he hadn't stolen my answer really. Um, but the worst performance I've ever seen was a second half performance in a Heineken Cup final, um, where after a decent first half performance against a very good Leinster side, Northampton, I think, capitulated is probably the best way to describe it as they were getting their shorts pulled down and absolutely um, fed to the, to the wolves by Leinster who literally tore them to pieces um, without even having to be that good. Northampton were, were that bad in the second half of that game that North, that Leinster looked like prime um, all blacks. <laughs> Very good. There's a 
yeah, North, Northampton aren't exactly going to get us scot free, I feel, in this show. All right, next up, um, with the debacle of a postponement in the North London Derby for one whole COVID case. Um, the question is, when else has a sporting event been disrupted for no valid reason whatsoever? Um, I will start with Ben. Um, I am saying literally every every week. Every, every week. Like every week. <laughs> live, live on television, the TMO coming in, whispering in the referee's ear like a sort of anally retentive <laughs> cricket. Tempo, uh, um, can you have a look at this? Yeah, oh, yeah. I've seen uh, a seatbelt tackle. I've seen a little bit of contact with the head. Foul play here, Tempo. Oh, just shut up and let them get on with it. <laughs> All right, Russ. It's always um, Tempo, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> really, really, anno- really annoying. Um, I've, I mean, you say has been has been sort of disruptive for no apparent reason. This particular match just made me smile which was a cricket match between South Africa and Sri Lanka at the Wanderers 4th of February 2017 where the game was stopped for well over an hour as a massive swarm of bees invaded the Wanderers uh, took up residency on de Kock's helmet uh, the the hat that he was wearing <laughs> um, and what they had to call on? They had to <laughs> they had to call in a local beekeeper with a honeycomb to tempt them into a box while all the players laid flat on the floor. I mean, you've you've really only come up with that answer so you could say De Kock's helmet. I that, definitely <laughs> definitely worked in De Kock's helmet. I worked it right in there. <laughs> Lovely he, stuff. He, I'm sorry, you did what? <laughs> I worked in De Kock's helmet. <laughs> Um, Phil uh, so I've just thought of something that I wanted to say as well so, so if you can go to Doug first just in case I spoil his answer but I don't think I will okay Douglas uh, we're on question two right we are Let glad you're paying attention it. so this is the um, what's the question again needlessly <laughs> stopping a sporting event oh needlessly stopping a sporting event that's that's right sorry so if you go back to um Take a point off me, Adam. That was a shambles. Um, I thought that was like performance art. I thought you were needlessly stopping this sporting event. <laughs> that I was doing that. Put a point back on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> outrageous. Um, 1994 Hungarian Grand Prix. Now, Formula One always tries to innovate and become the greatest sport. You know, they, they want to be on the cutting edge of technology. Now, Back in the day, to start the race, there used to be a button on a control panel in the starting tower that would send a signal to the lights, and that was a radio frequency. Formula One teams, well, four or five of them, cottoned onto this fact that when the button was sent, a radio frequency was sent to the lights, which changed the lights from red to off, which started the race. They tapped into the frequency so that when the button was pressed, a beep went into the driver's helmet, and they could immediately floor... The, the accelerator and get away. Little did they know that the FIA were onto them. So what the FIA did was send out a dummy frequency, which put a button uh, beep into the driver's helmet and six teams all floor the gas, get off the grid, the lights don't go out and the FIA rumbled them and they had to restart the Hungarian Grand Prix and all the teams were admon- admonished for their brilliant but slightly uh, dodgy cheating i i have no memory of that that's an amazing story and i, I actually you know watched death one, one in those days shit. yeah but it <laughs> wasn't it's not in 1994 it. it wasn't it was still was shit certainly in wasn't in 1994 um yeah it's on youtube have a look it's amazing yeah well i don't remember that no that's a great answer um uh phil then i, I assume doug didn't tread on your no, toes no, with that no, one no doug didn't but um, yeah, I, I was just reminded very quickly of the Mali-Tunisia game in the Africa Cup of Nations, where the referee, this current Africa Cup of Nations, um, where despite there being a VAR for a penalty that went on for five minutes, a couple of injuries, a goal and a red card in the second half, he blew the final whistle on in the 85th minute and just <laughs> took everybody off. 
<laughs> um, and then they went, we've still got time. So they came back out and then he blew it again on the 89th minute. And then after 40 minutes and the players had got ice bath for half an hour, tried to get them back on the pitch to play the last seven or eight minutes. But that, that wasn't my real answer. Um, my real answer is typified by Steve Smith, but there are multiple other seriously serious um, proponents of this. It's, it's when you have a batsman who comes out to bat, uh, he's been in for about 15 minutes, faced about three balls in England in September, um, the balmy 12 degree heat and decides that they need to change their gloves. And then does the same again 20 minutes later, 20 minutes after that, 15 minutes after that, and pretty much regularly until they're out. Um, and yeah, basically anything that batsmen are asking to do during a test match, um, unless their bats literally snaps in half, I'm sorry, they've got to uh, they've got to put up with the equipment they've gone out there with, and they can change it at lunch, as far as I'm concerned. Excellent I mean, answer. It, it, it's it's a good job England can't be guilty of that over the last. Uh, yeah, it's that that's not changing any results, that's for sure. All right, a quick look at the scores. Doug, yeah, well, Doug, yeah, uh, behind on eight points, Ben on ten, Russ on eleven, Phil on thirteen. Um, this is a strange trend of late. Mm. Right, still, well, with the ashes in mind again, um, despite being 68 without loss, chasing 271, England's batsmen collapsed in a heap to 124 all out in Hobart yesterday. Yesterday, it seems longer ago. Um, but when else have you just seen a team give up, throw the right flag and say, nah, I've had enough? Um, we'll start with Phil. So there's, there's giving up and there's throwing in the white flag. And then there's being top of your pool in a tournament, 2-0 up in the middle of a game and then deciding that you're going to score four own goals and lose the game 4-2, which takes it to a whole other level. And that's exactly what happened uh, to to an Argentinian futsal ladies team um, called Banfield, who were 2-0 up against Gymnasia y Esgrima. and decided that they were going to absolutely toss the game and lose it, lose it four two, um, because they wanted to play the team that was winning the other pool because they thought it was an easier game. Uh, but the coach and all of his assistants were fired um, <laughs> as, a, as a result of it. So it kind of backfired a little bit on them. <laughs> Some um, of the worst home goals you'll ever see as well, like literally from the halfway line from the kickoff, rolls it towards the keeper and they just stand there and watch it go past their feet. There's always that kind of talk in the World Cup. You know, the, the hipsters will say, oh, but if England finish second, they've got an easier path to the final. When has that ever panned out as anybody expects? Never. Um, exactly. Um, Dougie. One of my favourite if- stories about giving up is by someone who, um, I mean, it's one of the most famous giving up stories ever. I'm surprised nobody else picked it, but a boxer by the name of Roberto Duran, who widely regarded as one of the best boxers of his era, but was getting such a tuning by Sugar Ray Leonard that <laughs> halfway through the fight, just sat down and just went, no mass. I can't <laughs> do this anymore. I'm getting absolutely tuned to pieces here. Um, he's subsequently, he's changed his story over the years from cramps to this, to that, to frustration, but let's be honest, he was getting tuned by one of the greatest boxers in the history of boxing and um, just jacked it in. I think we all would. A bit like when Russ uh, is eight down after nine holes and says, uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a back twinge. <laughs> that never happened. Um, well, it might not have been eight down at nine holes, but where were we again? Um, Chilton Forest. It was all over by the turn, wasn't it? Wasn't it? it was absolutely was not. But uh, you know, <laughs> I love the way that's an actual story. I thought whatever, you just... whatever you believe, it's fine. I think you won on seventeen with a fake. There was handicap. a lot of holes left, Russell. That one, that's a not lot. True. It's not true. And it's absolute <laughs> fake news. Point off, Russ. Um, in fact, let's have let's have your answer while we're at it. Um, um, well, I'm not. I'm. I'm not entirely sure if this is class has given up, but imagine. Uh, hosting a World Cup semi-final in your own country. 
Stadio Mineral in Brazil, 2014. And having your absolute ass handed to you by a German side that were, you know, they were decent, but they should never have been beating Brazil 7-1 on their own, on their own turf, in their own backyard in a World Cup semi-final. Um, and the and the only goal Brazil scored was a, a 90th minute um consolation. But there were there were four goals in five minutes, or four goals in six minutes for the Germans. Uh, to give them a 5-0 half-time lead. And the Brazilians may as well not have come out for the second half because, well, they'd look like they'd already given up. That's just just staggering, wasn't it? The thing, the thing about that, I remember, you you think of a sort of 7-1 type game in international football or, or any sport, certainly rugby. If you have a high score, you imagine that most of the scoring happens in the second half as one team gets tired or or gives up. This was just early. Yeah, 23 to 29, 11, 23, 24, 26, 29. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. Ciao, baby. (laughs) 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 Um, Ben, give us a tale of uh, a white flag. um, I think I'm going to change my answer here because... um, It's more of a collapse of confidence, really. Um, I'm just going to go back to October last year where quite a confident individual proclaimed that field goals were easy. (laughs) (laughs) Within within two attempts, both pushed past the right-hand side of the post. Suddenly, field goals didn't become so easy. And... um, and yeah, and 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 no more efforts were attempted. It was um, it was quite a collapse in both confidence and um, funds for charity, really, uh, because you know he was sponsored to score. Um, and I think we all know who we're talking about here, don't we, Russ? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to try and mitigate that. I mean, it was it was a, a bad pass, a mediocre hold. Um, mildly, you don't. You don't remember. I mean, I've seen the video. I've Never watched it once in the history of field goals. Has anyone went, that was a mediocre hold? <laughs> I just did. Ray fair, Finkel is probably the yeah. only one. <laughs> to be fair to I was, more, I was 15, definitely more Lois Einhorn than... Uh, than 15 Ray minutes Finkel. previous, he had been spark out on the floor and recovered by downing a can of cider. So I, I think we need to uh, try again at this year's Muller over Invitational. Um, point off for the concussion um, but a point back for downing the cider there you go um, okay next question with Novak Djokovic finally deported from Australia um, although there'll probably be another appeal um, coming and he'll be back tomorrow uh, but who in sport would you like to see deported and from where um, I'll go straight back to you Russ well um, I mean technically he will be deported by virtue of his own shitness and the fact that he has to come home now is a certain Chris Silverwood. Um, I wish he'd be deported from Australia and then placed straight into a rocket and blasted into the sun. Um, The only positive result for England over this tour came while he was away from the ground uh, with COVID in inverted commas. I'm sorry. We're Um, not, we're not calling an absolute arsing that they scraped a draw from a positive result of. well it was positive <laughs> it, it was positive in respect that the only time that silverwood wasn't there they didn't get beaten to a pulp um i hate the fact that whenever any england player is interviewed either on the bbc or on bt sport or in any other media um they refer to him as spoons i absolutely detest that it's a shit nickname anyway but also he's the head coach and you shouldn't be referring to the head coach by nickname. That stinks to me as a, a poor structure, a poor matey backroom relationship, which is not getting the best out of any of our um, talented England internationals and certainly not getting the best out of the shit ones either. Um, mm. So I hope that... There's plenty of those. So I hope that uh, very, very quickly um, he gets placed into a rocket and fired into the sun. There we go. Lots of points. Um, ben? Who are you deporting? Well, talk of de- deportation kind of got me thinking about um, 
the the original Europeans to arrive in Australia. So shall we say that? Um, and I thought no one, uh, no one kind of sums up the kind of person that would have ended up on uh, a transport to Australia more than David Warner. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of hoping for uh, sending him back to where he belongs, which is Australia in 1821. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only we could make that happen. All right, uh, Dougie, who are you deporting? Three guesses. <laughs> well, Joe Marler. I'm... Joe Marler <laughs> out of a cannon into a giant tennis racket. <laughs> I don't think anybody needs to say any more. There no, is Phil. nothing else you can say. No, no. Well, oh, I can give you more points. There you go. So, similar to uh, to Doug's, I've, I've stayed true to form here and I've gone with an answer that I do believe I've come up with for every single punch and chat. Um, and I would deport Israel Falau from wherever he is at the moment, straight into the middle of San Francisco, wearing a giant rainbow dress. <laughs> Excellent. All right. This is, I mean, I haven't fixed this. Uh, why would I bother? Um, but Ben's got 24 points. The other three of you are all on 23. This is nail-biting stuff for anyone who's paying attention. Um, so it can all be thrown up in the air with the platinum jiffy bag question. Nine points on offer for anybody who matches my answer. Now, I'm going to tell you that I have two answers that you can match here, just to increase your chances. So, so interestingly, how, I mean, probably put, is any of us anywhere near to the jiffy bag well, before we start to answer these questions? Why don't we hear the answers and find out? Good question uh, or statement, maybe. Um, yeah, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Ben, who's the... Oh, I should yeah. read the question. Point off for yeah. me. Um, yeah, the question is, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost like we, we've got someone here called Eddie. Um, and with that in mind, who's the best Eddie in sport? Um, ben, start. We can't um, ask Eddie. I think like everyone, I went for the obvious Eddie, uh, which was already gone. Um, so, um, I had a little lateral think and, uh, a little exchange crossed my mind, uh, which was, why are you so fat? Uh, <laughs> with, the re with the reply, every time I shag your wife, I eat a biscuit. Um, so I'm going with, um, Edo Branders, the Zimbabwean cricketer who, um, despite being a slightly chunky chicken farmer came out the best in that conversation with um with the great glenn mcgrath and um also he could play a little bit um so yeah but i'd go and think outside the box there that's good very good um phil so th there is a correct answer but somebody got there first as a as a british person for somebody who has changed our interaction with the whole genre of sport but Actually, if you start looking globally, the Eddie I've chosen is not only the best Eddie at his sport from his country, he's the best Eddie at any sport from his country, and he's probably the best proponent of his sport ever, um, and that's Eddie Merckx. So holds the record for the most Tour de France wins ever, holds the record for the most Grand Tour wins ever, um, is one of only three riders to have won the top five um, monuments, so the big one-day races, and he's won, and he's the only one to have won them all twice or more. And he comes from an era where cyclists used to finish their races, they'd light up a big cigar, have a glass of wine and shoot themselves up with a bit of EPO rather than having to go to little covert vans to worry about which bit of blood you were getting shoved in which arm. Um, a simpler time in cycling where where doping was punished by a three-week ban after the end of the competition that you were in, rather than anything stupid like lifetime bans. Um, but yeah, probably the best cyclist ever, Eddie Merckx. Yeah, but did he make a joke about Lance Armstrong's wife? Uh, no. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, uh, Russ, best Eddie in sport. I mean, maybe I've got a bit route, route one with this. And whilst he's not... Um, and whilst he's not been the most successful, maybe, maybe one of the most entertaining 
Eddie's uh, is Michael David Edwards, better known as Eddie the Eagle, uh, an Olympian uh, in the Winter Olympics in 1988, became the first British competitor since 1928 to represent Great Britain in the Olympics ski jump. He finished dead last, um, but he held the, the British ski jump record from 1988 to 2001. Um Probably because there were no other British ski jumpers pretty much in that time. But to, to make a career, to make himself, you know, to do all he all he did just by having the balls to, to do something like that when he knew he was never going to be able to compete properly is, uh, is pretty special. So, you know, through adversity and uh, for having the nuts to, to step up, fair play, uh, Eddie the Eagle Edwards. The, um, the, the biopic is really good as well. It's it's really quite lighthearted and, and definitely worth a watch. It's I, I think I, well I'm sure it crossed all of your minds. Um, Russ was the first to send his answers through, um, so yeah, it arguably the best answer. It wasn't going to be the platinum jiffy bag answer because it was too obvious, and that's that's not no, how I work. No, the platinum jiffy bag answer will be some random obscure American footballer who is the best wide tight end defensive linebacker that played in the 1930s or something random like that. I mean, you might be a bit warm with some of what you say there, <laughs> Phil. Um, Doug, you've yet to answer, so uh, why don't you give us your answer? On mute, which is cool. Yeah. It's not, I mean, and he's still talking as well, which is impressive. He doesn't know he's on mute. Shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've been eating crisps, relax. Um, there's surprisingly quite a lot of um, really successful sporting eddies. You've got Eddie Kidd, famous for jumping over buses in, uh, um, you know, uh, county fairs. And he died, you he died, he died though, didn't he, mate? Didn't he die doing that? No. No, no he's, he's basically no, he's a vegetable. Alive. Very ill, though. Ah, Very he's basically Ill. a vegetable. Yeah. Uh, I forgot that yeah. PC, um, as in punching chat. Yeah. Very, very well uh You've got yeah, Eddie yeah. Charlton, famous for being the only uh, player to ever have lost both world championships at snooker and billiards. You've got Eddie Lawson, four-time MotoGP world champion. Steady Eddie, one of my favourite motorbike riders. Uh, Eddie Irvine, Formula One. You've got Eddie Hall, famous for lifting heavy stuff. Um, and and that's where I sort of ran out. But then I remembered, it's Adam. So, <laughs> Edis the cook. <laughs> but no, um, it's obvious. It's obviously Eddie George, isn't it? Eddie George, uh, Tennessee Titans running back, cover star of Madden in, I think, 2004. He's the first one that wasn't John Madden, I think. 2,000-yard yeah. um, yeah. season. Um, got He played in a team that got to the Super Bowl. He was, he was, to be fair, for those who aren't clued up on American football, he was very, very good. And he Some... is guaranteed to be Adam Foxcross, platinum Jiffy, Jiffy Bag questions answer. I mean, he, some of the facts... Because he plays a sport that they, that they only play in one country. They play American football all over the world, I'll have you know. That's, that's for you, Phil. Um, yeah. They play American football in Cornwall, you dimwit. They play no, on the no. same football field that you play rugby on. No, no, because to play a sport, you have to have opposition. Running around and noncing around with a load of pads on is not playing a sport. <laughs> noncing around with a load of pads on. Yeah, if you've been, to, your, if you've been, your, to, if you've been to Newquay when the American come football to a very premature end, like. have you have you been to Newquay <laughs> when the uh, American football team are training? That's, I've played against the American football team in Newquay. I actually made three field goals in that game, Russ. Well, I'd <laughs> probably had a decent snap and holder. <laughs> you, you mean to say it's not the um, it's not the meteorological conditions of the sports centre that counted against him? No, um, in fact, the Cornish Pirates coach said that he was the best field goal kicker I've ever seen. Brian Smallwood. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Who'd like to Back know to what charity. The, the platinum jiffy bag answer was? I think Doug, um, Doug's already told us. Doug he? got it, didn't he? Well, the, see, here's the thing. I, I thought, who's my favourite Eddie in sports? Came up with Eddie George instantly and then thought to myself, well, I can't just have him as a platinum jiffy bag answer because it's likely that none of you will say him. So I better have a backup. But then I thought, what if someone does? That seems a bit harsh. So I had two and one was Eddie George. The other, slightly laterally, um, Edward Sheringham. But none of you said him. I mean, you could argue he's a teddy. Um, I thought because Doug that's might... his name. 
<laughs> right, <laughs> his, his name's Edward, I think, as Brian Clough would tell you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's nine points for Doug, which obviously will put him significantly into the lead. Um, Phil, you're the strange despite ranting, being on mute. Despite being on mute. Um, Phil, you are picking up the rear now on 27. Russ is on 30. Good. Ben on 31. Doug on 37. Um, next question. West Ham have just played Leeds for two weeks in a row. Um, and yeah, same venue, same fixture, um, both on a Sunday. Just just gets a bit repetitive. But which fixture in sports are you sick of seeing all the time? Um, we'll start with Russ. It's an interesting one because I couldn't really think of anything that I was really sick of watching all the time. And then it kind of came to me. It came to me (laughs) in a flash of brilliance is that the one thing I couldn't care less about watching on terrestrial telly ever again is anything to do with the varsity. I couldn't give a fuck about the boat race. I couldn't give a fuck about varsity rugby. Because Jamie Roberts is playing because he's a doctor and he and he may have went to Cambridge or studied remotely, or that they're the they're, they draft in some professionals left, right, and centre because they've been given an honorary fucking doctor or something from that university. It's utter bullshit. Nobody really cares about it. It's just two universities playing against each other. Nobody cares about Oxford and Cambridge anymore. So Very you good. must have you must have different TV channels to me because I I am certainly not seeing the varsity fixtures all the time, which is what the question well, is. One, once once a year, and the boat race <laughs> once a year, and all of the stuff from Oxford and Cambridge that nobody cares about. You don't see Bristol Uni versus Univi- uh, UE. I don't see any varsity stuff either. Well, you uh, uh, well, you can if you go onto the um, Bucks webpage. <laughs> I mean, anybody listening surely knows enough about life that to know that TVs have remote controls and you don't actually have to watch any of this stuff. Oh, well, but, that, but that's the question. Isn't <laughs> but that that would take away all the point of the question. Exactly. Um, Phil, still uni to... against Yui is an absolute day out as well. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. Answer the question. <laughs> um, Phil, you were chirping in. Let's go to you. Yeah, so this is this is a sporting fixture that, or a group of sporting fixtures that, if it's on, I'll watch it. Um, but I still get sick of seeing it happen far too regularly. Um, and that is when England play the Southern Hemisphere teams. So I'm going to take you back to when I started watching rugby. Um, so in the in the mid '90s, um, and one of those teams would come and tour the Northern Hemisphere. And you'd see a game and you were genuinely excited about it because you didn't know what was going to happen because we hadn't played New Zealand for three years and we hadn't played New Zealand in, in England for eight years. So the players had never really played that much against each other, didn't know anything about it. And there was a genuine excitement about those matches. Whereas now it's got to the stage where you go on a tour every every summer to a country and half the time you send a second team because there's a World Cup or a Lions tour coming up. Um, and then every autumn they all come over here and you play all of the sides or two out of those three sides. And it's got to the point where you go, oh, we lost to South Africa. But never mind because we'll play them again in six months' time and we can beat them then, which to me isn't the point of those those kind of real highlight features. They should be a big game that really matter because if you lose, you know you're going to get it in the neck from all of your Kiwi friends for the next three years. Or if you beat them, you can rub their faces in it. Do you, th- do you think that the change there, when you look, you look back at, say, the, the 90s or those sort of games, is it satellite TV and the fact that back in the day, you know, the, the Six Nations was on BBC or, or terrestrial television, it's sort of ITV as well now, but I think back in the day it was just the BBC and those games, especially away from home, would might be covered by Sky. And uh, growing up, I didn't I didn't have Sky when I was kind of a early teenager, <laughs> so you kind of didn't see them. But now, no, now but, it's just saturation. But I think those games weren't happening as frequently. Um, England weren't touring uh, as often, and when you, they tour, there it was a. But it's more the autumn internationals. The autumn internationals used to be. Um, two or three games and you'd play one of the 
one of the island teams and one of the Southern Hemisphere teams, rather than it being South Africa and All Australia year, and yeah. somewhere, someone yeah. else. Um, but it, the you're not wrong in alluding to the fact that satellite TV and the money that it's brought is the is part of the stimulating factor for it. But there's there needs to be some degree of intrigue about things. It's the same with it's the same with most sports. Like there's an England football game going on pretty much every third week, uh, to the point where I don't give a shit if England are playing football unless it's at a major tournament, um, because it becomes banal and normal. Yeah. You want there to be something exciting and some intrigue about it. There you go. Speaking of exciting, let's go to Dougie. Um, yeah, I'm not on mute this time. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well done. Do you know, did you know, like, I love the FA Cup final, right? Do you know, since the turn of this millennium, there has not been an FA Cup final involving one of... Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea or Man City. I would just like there to be an FA Cup final without those teams. There's only been 11 since 1960. I'm sick of it. Yeah, yeah. No, seconded. Um, the, the effort, uh, similar to the conversation we just I had. I want a Tottenham v Coventry. Yeah, yeah. And Wim- Wimbledon or, yeah. yeah. The, that had the, Liverpool in it, you know. Well, all right, but Wimbledon against someone else. For MK the, Dons. For, for all everything, for all everyone ever says about how the football's only now a four-team, four-five-team game, it's always been that way. We just uh, choose not to remember that. Um, it's just just like the conversation we've just had. The FA Cup final back in the day was an event, and now mm. it's now it's at half past five. It's um, when you probably do something else. Two teams who win everything every year and don't care about being there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, more points. Um, ben, what are you sick of? I was almost going to say Nuki against VR. Twice <laughs> a year. But, uh, twice a year oh, for the last five years. Um, I'll tell you what, doing it once ruined my ankle, so that's, yeah. that's enough for me. <laughs> um, but... Uh, let me give you some fixtures, and, and would any of you have missed any of these? The L- London Spirit versus the Southern Brave. Oh. The Manchester Originals versus the Welsh Fire. Or the York Dukes versus the Surrey Super Stockbrokers. <laughs> I, I, I've only made one of those fixtures up. Um, yeah, any hundred fixture, just get just, what, just get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely. That's called absolutely playing to your host. Yeah. yeah. What's better than a charger? A supercharger. <laughs> Is that the difference between the charger you get for your iPhone and the one you get for your iPad? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the cricket cricket team names will never not amaze me. Like when you were coming up with an IPL team name, and someone went Chennai Kings. That that doesn't, really doesn't, grab me enough. Enough. doesn't say. <laughs> IPL enough. <laughs> it's not, not extravagant. Not, it, it's not decadent <laughs> enough. Make it more decadent. Yeah. What is a super king? <laughs> a really long cigarette. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember. I remember as a when I was a, a tube smoker, as we used to call them. <laughs> we like, used to put away enough tubes, didn't we? <laughs> we, we? We put away some tubes at Bentley Priory. <laughs> and, um, and it wasn't at that time, but I went for a phase of smoking Super King cigarettes just to get more cigarette. <laughs> I, I also then... driving back to Nuki one, one, one Friday afternoon at Bentley and paying for a fiver's worth of petrol with shrapnel. Yeah, remember? And getting there as well. <laughs> Also, buying petrol, a five is worth of petrol in 2003 would have got you about 40 liters halfway around the world. (laughs) Um, And also, I used to buy, I used to buy packets of Royals because you get 24 in. They were rancid, (laughs) but you you get four extra. So I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) I'm happy with that. Reminiscing about brands of cigarettes. This is this is where we're at. 24 Royals and and five liters of petrol, please. And, and uh, copy and rattle of, uh, value donuts. <laughs> Only if they were going off. <laughs> Get ten donuts for thirty p in Tesco's. <laughs> I paid four pound fifty for one today. Genuinely, for a donut. Yeah. 
That has to be that has to be Krispy Kreme. I can't remember the last time I had a donut. I'll be it honest. It's very again. nice, but I mean, it wasn't four pound fifty. Nice. No, I don't think that, that would have got me back to in two thousand and one. <laughs> I can't believe do- um, Russ just got away with the statement. I can't believe when I last had a donut. <laughs> <laughs> It's a true story. <laughs> Honestly, I, not, I not one of not one of us picked him up on that. <laughs> I thought about it, but you know, just because he's got amnesia doesn't mean that we should mock him for it. <laughs> um, just a little plug: Crosstown Donuts in Soho, if you fancy one. Okay, but they're very nice. We don't do adverts. But unless Yet. it's for cigarette brands, then <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll happily yeah. plug you. <laughs> just just watch watch this space though. I feel Unless they want to send us some dough. Now, when they go in and they want to buy some tubes, how do they know which ones has got 24 in? It's interesting. They, unless you bought them, they, they must pick up a brand early because, you know, you, you wouldn't go in, you, you'd go and buy 20 B&H because you're that famous gold packaging, yeah. wouldn't you? Or, or if you were a bit a bit short on cash, you'd go for 20 Lambert Lights. Or, uh, yeah. Can I, can or I you, have uh, the... 20 Marlboro Lights, please. Throat cancer, please. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, what do the kids bought... smoke these days? We don't know. We, well, um, neither, neither do they, because I bet they're all in the same pack. <laughs> I um, I bought my dad like a big packet of cigarettes, like from duty free once, and it was uh, wherever it was they came from. They they rent overboard with the pictures, and um, <laughs> was there like an A five poster in there? Yeah, they were they were they were quite graphic. Cut out and, and keep. Uh, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> He'd had the whole lot about about three hours, and I, and I said to him, uh, "Sorry about the pictures. The um, the 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 sort of um, fetus was particularly um, graphic, wasn't it?" And Dad just went, "That's right. I've smoked the dead baby already." <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Should should we get back to punching chat? can do mate that was much as fun. much as i'm not sure i want to we've got one more question that you've prepared for um i mean this is this is maybe one final opportunity for dougie to lose his job um but this weekend was the start of the nfl super wildcard weekend hosted by some rather incompetent people i'm just going to say for the record that russ wrote this question um, but which sports broadcasters would you like to make disappear for good um, and to maybe bury his answer, we'll go to Doug. Uh, yeah, I had a bit of trouble with this one, um, not least finding it right now. But no, an easy one, <laughs> easy one for me. Um, Andy Keys, Andy Keys, Richard Keys, and Andy Gray. <laughs> because even though we managed to get them the the insipid little shits off our television screens in the UK, they've they've managed to infest foreign broadcasts and are now living the high life on that Qatari dinar out um, out there for being sports. Um, just toxic, horrible little fucks, the pair of them. They're and, not um, little. I wish they'd disappear. They're not little in any way. Many, many stories about their arrogance. And, uh, well, I, I, I vividly remember Andy Gray being turned... Uh, being chased off of the pitch at Anfield and uh, the steward saying you weren't good enough when you were playing you're certainly not good enough now (laughs) excellent all right Um, Ben who are you getting Um, rid of I've I've gone for a sort of genre of uh, sports broadcasters well in fact I was going to name a name um because only one sports broadcaster has actually uh, featured half an episode of me being sexually assaulted. Um, <laughs> but he's not here to defend himself, so I'm not going to say Eddie. Um, but um, <laughs> um, the, um, the kind of sportsman that appears on Strictly, um, because I think, I think that sort of um, symbolises that they, uh, they want to become a brand and become a... Uh, a personality and it you know you've got your um your sort of a lot of scrum halves um you sort of robbie savage types i don't want to go through too many names in case they get mentioned in uh in dispatches in a minute but um you know a lot of uh a lot of um sports broadcasters but but no sign of roy Keane as yet 
Excellent. Imagine right. Roy Keane on Strictly. Jumping, I mean, over, jumping over the desk and hammering Craig Revel Horwood into a blip. I mean, it, it would be watch. fantastic to watch, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, Russ, um, who would you like well, to make disappear? Let, let me give you some quotes. Uh, when the ball is in the air, uh, sorry, when the ball is that still, it's wobbling in the air. It's a good run, but it's a poor run, if you know what I mean. It's an unstoppable shot. That should that should have been staved. Uh, if if there's a bit of rain about, it makes the surface wet. Now, this particular pundit, ex England striker, is the king of absolute state in the obvious, and I cannot bear it when he's on the telly. And I'd love to see uh, Michael Owen disappear off the telly when there's football on. Um, one of them, it, it hit the facial part of his head there. The facial part of his head. <laughs> Fuck. Very good. Um, if there's anybody left, um, who are you getting rid of, Phil? Oh, I've got plenty left. Um, <laughs> so there's a there's a there's a group of com of um, uh, pundits, commentators, um, media people who uh, and they have their. Um, their, their kind of uh, ringleader in force at the moment, but the the group as a whole, it's anybody involved with um, in front of camera for BT Sport Rugby at the moment. There's a there's an incredibly high level of of bias towards the teams that they used to 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 play for, to the point where you can literally hear Delalio creaming his pants when wasps are playing. Um, <laughs> There's a there's an unwillingness to to actually come out with anything that's new. They just recycle the same shit punditry. Um, there's a there's a total love in around everything that they they won't criticise people. They won't come out and challenge people and say actually you're you're shit at what you're doing. Um, and it's it's infectious as well. Um, so David Flatman, I used to have a lot of time for him. I used to think he was really insightful, would provide a lot of information around the, the matches and what was going on. And the more time he spends around BT Sport, the more he becomes like everybody else, just an ego with a face. Um, and yeah, their they're ringleader in chief um, matches uh, Ben's category. And it's somebody for whom his, his ego has become more important than... Uh, than anything else, uh, more important than his family life, more important than his ability to to commentate properly, um, more important than than even uh, a valid, balanced view on on race matters within the country, um, and that's Ugo Monia, who was an was a was a decent player, a, a, an average international, makes out like he was the best thing since sliced bread. Um, dresses like a like a nonce, um, and it's fair to say is uh, is is a topic of conversation regularly on our little Twitter group about all the things that are wrong with rugby. So Ugo Ugo Monia can go dig himself a shallow grave, jump in it, and then bury himself. As far as I'm concerned, there we go. Don't sit on the fence. Uh, whatever you do, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> all right. the The scores have the scores are still quite close. Phil, you're actually. You're a little bit behind the others on 45. Russ and Doug on 51 apiece. Ben up to 55, um, largely on the back of one answer just then. Um, but any other business could change all that. Um, Phil, as you're trailing, do you want to go first? Yeah, can do. Um, so I've got a really bad habit at the moment of getting sucked into um, Facebook videos. And I saw something come up from The Rock, which is a, a music station in New Zealand. And was regularly on on the radio uh, when I was in New Zealand, A, because they play really good music, B, because they actually have some decent chat, um, and C, because they're not afraid to uh, say what they mean and there's no political correctness um, and swearing is quite welcome in the morning show. Uh, And there's a little video uh, from the morning show, which they call the morning ramble, um, about, uh, well, it started off being about people getting sunburned because obviously it's the summer over there. There's a guy who allegedly fell asleep in his back garden, uh, wearing no pants with his flies undone and burnt his uh, little sausage. Um, there was somebody else who uh, 
was standing a bit too close to the barbecue and set fire to their shorts. But the best one for me was uh, was a lady who um, said that she was there with her new boyfriend. Her ex-boyfriend was, uh, sorry, her, her new boyfriend was uh, burning pictures of his ex-girlfriend in a, in a waste paper basket. So put all these pictures in, set fire to it as you do she thought the fire was getting a little bit out of hand so decided to to stamp it out with her foot um and then remembered she was wearing nothing on her feet so tried to stamp out a fire with her bare foot and all i could think about whilst i was listening to this <laughs> was a certain mr russell milson I mean, we're all thinking a, yeah, a burning yeah. petrol can onto the road um and I must have spent about 10 minutes just, just laughing, thinking about... Just thinking about Russ. The stupidity <laughs> of Russ. Just thinking about me. Yep, yep. Never, never far away from your thoughts, Phil. Not, not when there's fire and barbecues involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, we better go to you next, Russ. Um, so, as a, a football fan, as well as a, a multi-sports, you know, cricket, rugby, whatever, I like, I like sport. I am now sick to death of the Premier League allowing cancellations of Premier League matches for apparently no reason at all. Um, Let's take, for example, Spurs versus Arsenal this Sunday. Um, Arsenal had uh, five or six players at the African Cup of Nations. They had a number of players in genuinely injured and unavailable. Um, They had one player who was uh, isolating uh, with COVID and uh, two players that were suspended, one of which being Granite Xhaka, who got sent off on Thursday in the Carabao Cup semi-final. Now, at what point did the Premier League allow cancellations for not having enough players available when they can name a 25-man squad when I thought all cancellations were had to be sort of ratified for, for COVID reasons? Um, the Premier League have made a roll for their own backs and now they're making themselves look absolutely ridiculous. Um, I remember a, a fixture last season where Aston Villa had to play a team full of children in a in a cup match against Liverpool because they didn't have any have any enough squad to fulfil a fixture, but they still put a team out because that's what they were told to do at the time. And the Premier League is now turning into a, a, a bit of a farce. Yeah, but Leeds. I heard today Leeds have had eight eighteen-year-olds start matches this season because their squad has got so so tight. So they're pulling from the under twenty-threes. So yeah, they can as, as they matches. should do. Which is which right. is what, yeah, which is what exactly. the whole idea is. Um, but Burnley versus Watford tomorrow is is off. Like Newcastle can cancelled the game after. Uh, no, Burnley cancelled the game at the weekend because they didn't have enough players. Immediately after selling one of their active squad to Newcastle. Well, Newcastle cancelled again against Southampton pre, uh, pre-New Year. And then when they play, they're going to have four or five signings playing for them. Yeah, it's not right. They weren't in their squad before. So it's hardly right. fair. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know where you stop with this. That's the thing. Okay. Dougie, any other business? If you can't if you can't make the fixture because you've got COVID, you get penalised points. Done. I just want to um, call out the weather. <laughs> I like big shout out for the weather. Who the fuck does it think it is? It's sunny all week, and then when you want to play golf for your mates at the weekend, you can't see past the end of your cock. <laughs> Don't lie, mate. And then on Monday morning, beautiful sunshine again. Golf, golf with your mates in inverted commas. All right. You're taking the piss. Yeah, you are. So you got mates. Who's this fucking fat cunt over here, honestly? <laughs> Sitting there. So, Don't be rude. At least I'm not on you, at least I'm not on Instagram telling everyone about an exciting project to come. Fuck me. <laughs> what a drive that was, though, by the way. Absolutely everyone, everyone waiting on tenterhooks for Russ, Russ's exciting project. <laughs> I mean, I've, not, mate, not I've been project. checking my phone every 15 minutes since I saw that post. It's not my project, mate. Well, you bigged it up like it was. Russ, you're so close to the final. Um, and <laughs> Dougie's determined to keep you out of it. And I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, you are last, but probably not least. 
Um, <clears throat> so, semi-serious one, and I don't want to stray into politics because uh, it's not a th- thing, not a thing that I like to do too often. Um, but I do think that um, this sort of talk of uh, stopping the funding to the BBC is a bit alarming, and you know they've produced um, Alan Partridge, which some of us like, I believe. Um, you know, Blackadder, David Attenborough, Line of Duty, Dick and Dom in the Bungalow, um, all the modern <laughs> classics. And um, I just think it's, uh, it's something that we should be very careful what we wish for and, and that it's definitely something that um, should be kept. Um, I think, you know, I think a, a sign that it's not as bad as people think it is, is that the two groups of people on Twitter that seem to hate the BBC are far, people on the far right and people on the far left. So I just, uh, if, if both of those groups of people aren't liking something, then it's probably doing a fit, fairly good job of staying in the middle. Um, and I think someone like Nadine Doris, who's clearly thick as mints, um, shouldn't be allowed to um, jeopardise something that's a bit of a national treasure. There you go. I think you're, uh, that probably puts you in the final. Um, whether it deserves to, I don't know, but here we are. Um, <laughs> Phil, you miss out, I'm afraid, on 52 points. Dougie, you're going to miss out as well on 55. Oh. But Russ and Ben on 60 and 61 are going to make Defend the Undefendable, um, which will be talking for 22 seconds so we can't get sued about a subject uh, <laughs> that I, I give you on the fly. Um, Russ, you came second. Um, do you want to go first or second in Defend the Undefendable? I, I'd like to go first, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> all of this year's Six Nations matches should be moved to Dublin, not because of COVID, but just because it's got the best crack. Well, the thing about rugby matches in Ireland is the fact that the Guinness is so exceptional. And if when you couple that, with alcohol fueled violence, you could legitimately go on a Michael Douglas falling down style rampage fueled with Guinness and obliterate time, most of Ireland. Your time is up. Your time is up. That's pretty good. Um, ben, you are going to defend. Um, Boris Johnson should finally go and Chris Silverwood should take his place. Well, frankly, if anyone has shown um, that they are fit to step into the shoes of our fantastic Prime Minister, it's absolutely Chris Silverwood. Um, I mean, he could arrange a party. I think he'd probably invite the wrong people to attend at the wrong time in the wrong rooms with the wrong booze. Um, but, I mean, I mean he's going to be out of a job soon. Your time is up as well. Um, I I don't, yeah, I don't know if you fully defended that, but yeah, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I think I'm going to award this victory to Russ. Boo! Boo. Get in. It's about <laughs> um, time I want to punch you, chap. I think it's the right result based on that defend the uh, undefendable. Yeah, I mean, based on nothing else, based on almost everything else, Ben would win but purely on that and and Dems the rules so yeah well done Russ thank you very much well I mean all being well chances are we could do this all again next Monday because we've got another week of European rugby so uh, if everyone's available um, hopefully Eddie might be able to join us next week um, free from custody if he's not been (laughs) um, sodomised in uh, in an Albuquerque jail Uh, (laughs) although he he may be enjoying that as we speak um, Can Saul Goodman help him out of trouble? <laughs> but he, he better call Saul. That'll be a bit, you know, maybe maybe he's in there with him. Uh, Adam, thank you very much as always. You'll be looking forward to to this weekend's uh, NFL action. Uh, is there any conglomerate uh, podcasts this week? Uh, yeah, we'll be. I think getting together tomorrow. Um, yeah, we'll talk about all that stuff. Um, the Titans are in it, so I'll be I'll be cock a hoop for now until next week when they're knocked out. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just how it goes. But yeah, we'll uh, yeah looking forward to that divisional rounds. I think the best the best round the wild cards last weekend were all largely a bit one sided and disappointing. But hopefully we'll get some some better games this week. 
And for those of you that are interested, there was a, uh, a special long slap yesterday, an awards season, season awards type uh, podcast. Haven't listened to it yet. I don't know what conclusions have been drawn. But, uh... I mean, none of any substance. We argued, <laughs> we argued a lot about most of them, um, as you'd expect. Um, and, yeah, and let me guess, Craig, Craig kept talking until he won. <laughs> he did his best, but I don't know if he got. No, he didn't really get his own way. Bless him. Anyway, right. Uh, we will go. We'll probably all see you next week for more punch and chat or something. Anyway, and uh, yeah, we'll speak to you all soon. Go well. Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.